And well, let's open up our Bibles today to Ephesians chapter 6. So just in case you guys didn't know, we have a prayer request, um, like a page on our app and then also on our website. And so you guys can always get updates there. And I, I pray that you do. You know, I pray that we go there and we submit prayer requests and we uh, also um, pray. Um, we've been praying for our dear brother, Pankage. He's a missionary in Nepal, amazing young man, really. And uh, he um, was diagnosed with heart failure, pretty much 20% uh, strength. And they didn't even give him initially the, 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 the green light to fly from Nepal to here to get more a better medical treatment. But thank God, you know, his heart was strengthened. They gave him the green light and he's here in the States. And from what I understand, right, Mike and Teresa, their daughter is married to him. Um, he is now going to receive treatment. And in the name of Jesus, he's going to get better because they said, huh, that more than likely the diagnosis or prognosis is positive. And so continue to pray for him though, because this is a man who has made a difference in the kingdom of God. He's a man who left his country. Think about it with just a suitcase goes to Nepal and says, I want to be a missionary. I want to make a difference. And God ends up using him to plant a Calvary Chapel there in Kathmandu, a school of ministry, Bible college. I mean, there's so many things. So when you're serving the Lord, you will experience opposition. And so we're even going to talk about that today in our study in Ephesians chapter 6. The spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. Today we're going to talk about how to defeat the devil and his demons. And so this is an important message. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but you're in a spiritual battle. And if we don't learn this, then we will be defeated by them. And we're going to be kind of like the Lakers swept away. That's what's going to happen to us. Think about it, man. Um, The devil is destined for hell and the lake of fire. And he wants to take as many people with him as he can. Some of you guys are saved, and so maybe you're in a good place. But, you know, you might survive. But here's the big question. Will you thrive? You know, David was saved. David knew the Lord. David was a man who was after God's own heart. But David fell into sin. And therefore, as a result of that, being defeated by the devil, because he was defeated by the devil at certain seasons of his life, His family paid the price. The sword never left his family. His son died. Others died. And the blessings that God wanted to bestow upon David, he never experienced them. God said, I would have done so much more, but you were defeated by demons. And that's why this is huge, you guys. Every single day, I don't know if you ever get in fights with your spouse Fights with your kids, fights with your cat. I mean, you name it, we're all over the place, right? You're in fights at work and just different things happen. You fall into sin and it's just like that. Man, it's like this cycle and God says, no. The book of Ephesians is about victorious Christian living. And so now we know, Lord, you know what? I don't have to, to lose. And so, Lord, show me how to defeat the demons that are trying to make me fall, you know? And so, and I realize none of us are going to be perfect, right? But we should strive to be sinless. We should strive to be proper. We're, We're not going to be flawless, but 
We got to make sure. I mean, we're not going to be, you know, there with no sins, but we should strive to be faithful. We should strive to have victory. It's kind of like a basketball team, and I always go back to sports because I like sports a lot. But you know, every time that basketball team goes down the court and they got the ball and the stuff, a lot of times we, we we get frustrated with them because they make a mistake, and next thing you know, they turn the ball over, right? And it's like, man, that's unnecessary. Be more careful with that ball. Be more careful with that pass. That's an unnecessary turnover. Sometimes in our own life, there's unnecessary sins, and they begin taking their toll. You know, I mean, you want to try to make every shot, don't you? You want to try to win every game, don't you? Well, that's the way it should be in life. The only way that we're going to do this, though, is by understanding what we're reading today. As we're wrestling with the enemy, we have to understand this armor that God has given to us. And so look what we read here in Ephesians 6. As he closes the book, notice in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so Paul here now, I love the book of Ephesians. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And so now he's kind of closing it with what might be the most important section of this book. And he uses that word, finally, my brethren. Now, when you outline the book of Ephesians, some will say the first part is the wealth and then the walk and then the war right? Some will say it that way, or some will say, first is doctrine, then there's duty, then there's dealing with the devil. Did you guys know that in this room right here, there are angels? How many of you guys know that? There's angels in this room. God is in this room. There's also demons in this room. There are demons, uh, we'll see according to rank, that are studying your life. How can I make this man fall? How can I make this woman fall? How can I ruin their life? This right here is an important part. And so as he's finishing up the book, he says, finally, you know, my my brethren, let's be strong in in the Lord and in the power of his might. He goes on to talk about the spiritual battle. Now, real quick, you got to take this in context as well. Again, closing the whole book, I understand that. And so it's a big thing. But also, he just got done talking to husbands and wives. Husbands and wives. Let me ask you, husbands and wives. Do you ever feel like the devil's trying to come in and do his thing? Demons. Trying to ruin your marriage. Fighting with each other. Not fighting for God, but fighting against each other. You know, parents and children, they're after both, right? We we see this in the workplace. We see it in every relation, really. And so there's this aspect of understanding in the context of this. He's bringing it up. Now, earlier in Ephesians 5.18, he says that we are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is available to us to give us power over sin, to give us power over Satan. And so going into it, he talks about the Holy Spirit, but now he talks about the evil spirits. Have any of you guys ever experienced the presence of evil spirits. You know, they're out there, man. I'll tell you, and they're real. We've cast out demons from people, and we've done it here, in the right back there. 
There was a gal that came in possessed by a demon, and it took, it took some time, but God cast this demon out. We cast out demons of individuals in Cambodia. We've done this in different places. They are real, sometimes possession, sometimes oppression. Often they're just lying. They're, you know, these the open doors through Ouija boards or sorcery, drugs, uh, you know, they're, they're the palm readers, astrology, all these kind of things, they open up doors to demons. And we got to know this is real. Now, one of the things that we have to know right off the bat is you are not powerful against them. I don't care how much you bench press. I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't care how many Bible verses that you've memorized or how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter who you are, who you think you are. You are not strong enough to do damage against even the weakest demons. And that's why Paul here in writing, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Right here in the Greek language, it says, be continually strengthened with his power. Be continually strengthened with his might. He tells us this. He says, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, wake up in the morning, depending on what you're doing, you suit up, right? We need strength and we need his suit. And it doesn't matter, you know, uh, what, what the day holds. Usually when I wake up in the morning, I'm kicking back around the house. I'm getting my coffee, getting my Bible. So the first shoes I put on are my chanclas. Those are the first shoes, right? But if it's time to work, there's different shoes. I have work shoes, right? And if I'm going to be like, you know, it was kind of cool, I was cutting up a tree the other day, you got goggles and you got, you know, gloves and there's certain garb that you wear. If you're playing a football game, how many of you guys here play football? You know what I'm talking about, right? You got pads, you got helmets, there's a certain gear for a certain situation. You know, you're going to run, you better have good shoes. Don't get the shoes that I got from Cambodia because they were not good and I messed up my foot. They were wannabe Nikes, but they weren't. I should have known because they only cost $5. But anyways, you know, and so what he's saying right here is that, you listen, you're not strong enough to defeat even the weakest demon. And he is so cunning. You might even not even think, well, I'm good. I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not defeated. Yes, you are, because God had so much more for you. And you're like, well, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I got money, and I got health, and I got a house, and I got whatever it might be. Yeah, that's cool. Do you really think that that's all there is to life? No, God made you with a mission in mind. And so right here, he's saying, listen, you can't defeat the devil, you can't defeat the demons. You have to put on the Lord. You have to put on the, his strength. You have to put on the whole armor, not just a piece of the armor. It says right there, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The, the wiles. I mean, the cunning, the craftiness, the deceitfulness, the plotting. I mean, we're all different here, and we all have different inclinations. We all have a different Achilles tendons. We all have different weaknesses. I don't know what yours is, but let me tell you something. The devil is a liar, and he is manipulative. He is cunning. He's crafty. None of us are smart enough. You know, sometimes I can deceive myself, and I can think, well, Manny, you've been a Christian for whatever, 33 uh, years, and you've been a pastor for 20 years, and 
And, you know, you might think that's impressive. And then, and then I think, well, Satan's been, you know, a fallen angel for 6,000 years. And not just, uh, you know, that, but, you know, he's not just uh, an equivalent to me. He is one of the three, um, we believe, archangels that fell. According to Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, when Satan fell, he drew a third of the angels with him. So that's what demons are. They are fallen angels. Now, do you think that you're a match for a fallen angel? Do you think that you're smarter than a fallen angel? You're not. We're not. This is why we need the Lord's strength, not our own. And this is why we need to put on the whole armor of God so that we can be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I've been a pastor, I've been a Christian for many years, and some of the guys that stood right here in this pulpit are no longer standing for Christ. Some of the people that sit in those very pews, they are no longer standing for Christ. It can happen. Believe you me, you know, and they should have been a pastor. Now they're selling cars. God knows. And again, nothing wrong with selling cars if that's what God calls you to do. But if God calls you to be a pastor, then you better be a pastor. Otherwise, you have been defeated by the devil. And so we have to be able to stand. Look what he says right there in verse 12. For for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We need his strength and we need the whole armor because we're not fighting against people. You know, when we get in an argument with our spouse, it's not your spouse. When you're having a hard time with your kids or kids, when you're having a hard time with your parents or your boss, he's just so bossy you know you experience that and suddenly you you just don't like them and you just want to go up to that person over there who offended you and just sock them in the face and you know again that's us why well that's the person i just don't like them and and right here paul is saying no we don't wrestle against them we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness. We rent, wrestle actually against ranks of demons. And so the interesting thing is, is that when you first start off as a Christian, you might have a little demon. And again, none of us can even defeat the most uh, smallest demon. But then as you grow and then as you get stronger, then as you learn to wear the armor, then as you learn to walk, whatever it might be, then you get a stronger demon. And then maybe as time progresses, a stronger demon and a stronger one. That's what ends up happening. It's just like you know warfare that we'd see in any other situation. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against ranks of demons. And so that's important to know because if we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, that means, like it says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse and next thing you know you start yelling? Have you ever been in an argument there and next thing you know you start throwing things at them or whatever, hitting the wall? I mean, and you know, it's like, wait a minute, you're not going to win because you're not wrestling... What you're doing is you're using fleshly weapons and there is absolutely no victory here. You need spiritual weapons. If you're in an argument with your spouse, somebody, please, somebody say, let's pray. That's hard to do, huh? You're like, I don't want to pray with them. 
And God is saying, well, that's what you need. And I remember, uh, because, you know, we live in the flesh and we want to do fleshly things. And I don't know if it's the devil or the flesh or the influences of the world. And I remember this little girl, I think I told you about, one day she went and she just uh, kicked her brother in the shins. And then she grabbed him and she pulled his hair. And so mom came up and said, why did you do that to your brother? Why did you let the devil make you kick him in the shins and pull his hair like that? And she said, well, the devil made me kick him in the shins, but pulling his hair, that was my idea, she said. (laughs) And sometimes we, we don't know, well, is it the devil? Is it the flesh? I don't know. At the end of the day, I do know this, that the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, that we need to approach this understanding we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against demons. And that brings up another point. Have any of you here ever wrestled? How many of you here wrestled in, oh yeah, girls too, but wrestled in high school? You guys know what I'm talking about? So one of the significant things about wrestling that makes it very different than all other sports, did you know that you could play baseball and you could strike out every single time and still win? Have you guys ever done that? (laughs) Right? You could play football. You might not even get off the bench and you could still win. But when you're wrestling, it's you and that person right there. And wrestling is one-on-one. And the, the, the only way you're going to be able to do this is if you defeat your opponent right there. Now, just in case you're thinking wrestling is an easy sport, it's not. It's not. If you think it's an easy sport, I will wrestle you after. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just joking. <laughs> but no, I'm serious. You've got to get somebody your own size, somebody your own strength, and, you know, maybe your own skill level, and you start wrestling, and it is intense. I mean, you're using all, you're exerting all your energy unless you get pinned, right? And so I remember those days, and what, what Paul is saying right here, if this is what we're engaged in, you are wrestling one-on-one with demons, And so unless you're walking under the power of the God's strength, unless you're wearing the armor, man, we are going to be in big trouble. Notice again, as he he goes on here talking about the whole armor, he says in verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know, one of the words that kind of stands out here is just the word stand, and we're going to see it even later. I think we should be outstanding Christians. I think that we should be walking with this grace and this strength as we're taking up the whole armor because there will be days that will be more difficult than others. You know, there are days, I was thinking about this war that's going on in Ukraine and Russia, and it's a, it's a horrible thing that we see taking place. But did you know that they've actually been in war since 2014? So it's been going on for a long time, but I think it was, I don't know, February 20-something was the day that Russia said, boom, we're going to take it even more deeper and intense. And since then, thousands have died. Now, our life, in one sense, has always been a war with the devil, always been a war with the devil. But then the day comes... And boom, man, things get dark. The seasons become more of a struggle. And you're like, here you are. You're going, da, 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 da. Life is good. You're having fun. Your life is a playground 
And then one day it hits hard and it becomes a battleground. And you realize, no, all along, now this is something that I have to be ready for. What would happen if you lost your job? What would happen if you got cancer? What would happen if one of your children died? You know, this happens. This is life. As we go through it, some of those days are more dark. I was thinking about what happened to Job. And, you know, the devil said, uh, let me touch him. Let me touch his body. Let me get his kids. Let me take away his wealth. And thank God that Job was able to prevail and be an example to us. Maybe you're here today and you're going to go through difficult times. And emotionally, mentally, I mean, even sometimes physically, spiritually, it just seems like everything is falling apart. You know, Job is an encouragement to you, my friend. Don't lose faith. Don't lose the faith. You know, when you see Job and he prevailed against the devil himself, you know, he went, you know, and then you guys remember what happened in Job? His friends came and they started lying to him. Lies, lies, lies. And so he survived the lies. He survived the whys. Like, why me, God? Why is this happening to me? And we go through that. We get the doubt. We get the discouragement. All the devil wants to do is, number one, take you off the mission God had in mind for you. And then number two, do more damage. I mean, it can get really, really crazy. And so we're going to see at at the end of the study today, here's the thing, you guys. God loves you. I love you. We love you as a church. And Paul's writing this because he does not want to see anyone defeated. You know, do you realize who you are? And I I almost hate to bring this up, but sometimes you'll see these movies where, you know, an individual realizes who they are, and the next thing you know, they're fighting, and it's just so, so amazing, the victory that we have in Christ. You know, this is what Paul is saying right here. You're, you're in this battle. You can't do it on your own strength, but God's strength is available to you. How many of you guys know Philippians 4.13? How many of you guys know that? If you don't know that, then I will not let you leave today until you have memorized this verse. How many of you guys know it? I can do all things through Christ strengthens me. Do you believe that? I hope you do because it's true, my friend. Whatever it is that you will be facing in life, you got to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But we do have to get dressed up. We do have to realize that we're in a war and we do have to have the whole armor. And so he goes on and he really lists, I, I would say seven, but some say there's six items of clothing our weaponry or wardrobe that we have. And so look at verse uh, 14 here. He says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, there's the six items. But then I would add the seventh being praying. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, Paul says, and for me 
that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so do you guys know where Paul was when he wrote this letter? How many of you guys know? He was in a Roman prison. He was chained to a Roman soldier. And so as he's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, a church that he loved, he's able to see the, the, the whole armor right there, and he shares this with the church. Now, it's interesting because if you read Acts chapter 19, that's where Paul the Apostle planted the church, and the church in Ephesus was an amazing work of God. I mean, we're talking about uh, Paul the Apostle being there for three years, having a Bible school for two years, teaching in the Bible school every single day for two years so that the word of God spread. The word of God was so powerful in the city of Ephesus that it impacted their economy. They were actually failing in their, they were selling their idols, their silver idols. So the silversmiths were upset. All the people sold all their magic books, 50,000 pieces of silver. That's how much they were valued at, millions of dollars. I mean, there was a sweeping work going on in Ephesus. So you would figure if Paul's going to write a letter to them, he would probably say, you are strong. You are strong. And some of you here, you probably think that about yourself. You're so strong. Oh, Manny, you've been a pastor for so You're so strong. He didn't write that. He said to them, be strong, be strong. Because let me tell you something, the devil is going to come hard. You guys know, right, what happened later in the book of Revelation chapter 2? What did he write to the church at Ephesus? You have left your first love. You left it. God said, I love you so much. I have these plans for you that are so amazing, so amazing. All you have to know is I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me and let him strengthen you. You'll be able to walk on water. You'll be able to move mountains. God will give you the victory. The book of Ephesians is a book that says it's about victorious Christian living. And so we got to know we're in a war. Yeah, we have fun. There's miles of smiles and tons of fun and God is good. And yes, life is great. And it is a playground sometimes. But for the most part, it's a battleground. And so God says, okay, this is what I need you to do. I need you to wear your armor. And so we actually have a picture here of all the different armors. And so we have like the different aspects of the, of the armor of God. And so first of all, he says, I, I want you to put on the belt of truth. Have you guys ever worn a suit? You're out the door, you're at the house, whatever it is, and you forgot to wear your belt. It's kind of weird. No, go back to the other one, if you would. So here, the belt of truth, he says, gird your waist with the belt of truth. Now, the belt of truth was where they would put the scabbard, and that where they can put their, their, actually, their little dagger or sword. They actually had these strips of leather, like it shows right there, and they would actually surround them, protect them, Right? And so what that is in reference to is, here's the thing. Some people believe that the way that you wear your armor is you pray it on. Wake up in the morning, oh Lord, I'm putting on my belt of truth. I believe it's probably partly that, but it's primarily living it. Living it. The belt of truth means that you are true. We're not perfect. Sometimes we're transparent, and I'll tell you my struggles. 
but I am not going to be up here and be a hypocrite. I'm going to be true. And so you have that aspect of integrity. You can't have anything else without that belt of truth because with that, everything else was held together. And so if we could just come to a place this morning and say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm not perfect, um, but Lord, I want to be transparent and I just want to be real. And so you put on the, the belt of truth. Secondly, you wear the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this obviously is something that we can see would protect the heart or protect the lungs. Uh, most people say it would actually be the front and the back, although I've heard some people say there's nothing in the back. That doesn't make any sense to me. More than likely, it's the front and the back, and it protects your heart, right? It protects the, these vital organs right here. And what he calls it the breastplate of righteousness is because, number one, you guys got to know this, just in case, you know, I'm kind of like hoping that every single person here is a Christian. I'm hoping, but I don't know that. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Listen, if you're not a Christian, you are open game to the devil and his demons. And so, number one, I beg of you today to know this. The God of the universe loves you. He gave his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. He bore the punishment that you deserved and they put him in a grave and he rose again. And all you have to do if you're not saved is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. Believe on him, receive him. Make that decision to follow Jesus today. Place your faith in him and you will be saved. And then you put on this breastplate of righteousness. Number one, it's the imputed righteousness of Christ, which, man, the moment that you get saved is transferred to your account. But then number two, as you're living that life, not perfect, but proper, not flawless, but faithful, you have this imparted righteousness of Christ. And the more you have that, the more powerful your prayers will be. Again, not perfect, but proper. You have this sincerity and you're like, Lord, I want to be like you, Jesus. Not a Pharisee, not legalistic, someone who's like Jesus. Then what ends up happening is you wear this and your heart is protected. And so you're living the life. You gird your waist with truth. You put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is number one, getting saved. That's the imputed righteousness. But then you have the imparted righteousness and God's making you more and more like Jesus. And the next thing you know, your prayers are more and more powerful. And then the next thing are the shoes of the gospel of the preparation of peace. And so any of you guys ever have shoes where you had cleats and you, you, know, you played and you kind of, when you slid into second base, you got the shortstop. Did you guys ever do that? <laughs> I'm just joking. I know you would never do that. Not as a Christian. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is that they had these hobnails in the shoes, and that would just help them stand their ground. You know, when we were going through COVID and the government was telling us not to have church, not to meet in church, do we, we realize the damage it did, huh? Crazy. Because being in church and being together uh, being with people, not isolating ourselves is so important, right? And so we had to fight back. And so for us, we have to stand our ground and make sure that we don't get backed up by the enemy. No, this is, this is, this is as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? You don't, you don't back down. You got the hobnails in your shoes. And the cool thing about it is the preparation of the gospel of peace. And that means there's this beautiful gospel, the beautiful gospel that you go out with those shoes and you're telling others about Jesus. 
But not just telling others about Jesus, you're also telling yourself about Jesus. And you realize, here you are today, and I'll bet you some of you here, I'll bet you almost anything some of you here have struck out. Have you guys ever struck out? Or do you hit a home run every time? Be honest. Maybe John's hit a home run every time, because he's really good. He's really good. But most of you guys right here, you're going to strike out sometimes, right? And maybe you've turned the ball over. Maybe you missed a shot. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But I know the gospel. I know the gospel for myself. I'm a blood-bought believer, born again. I'm forgiven of my sins, and I preach this gospel to myself. I know who I am, who I, where I stand in Christ. And this is how we defeat the devil, because sometimes he comes in with a double-edged sort of doubt and discouragement, and then what does he try to do? He brings condemnation to the Christian. Oh, no. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So you wear this armor, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, and then the shield of faith. And this one is so important, you guys, because the shield of faith, um, you guys have seen the movies where they dip their arrow in the flame. They already got some you know, flammable liquid on it, and then they shoot it. Have you guys seen that, or am I the only one? All right, so you have seen it. And this is what they would do. And so you have this shield of faith, and if you go to the next slide, you'll see more of uh, what it's like. It was actually bigger, and on the shield of faith, they would have these little lock mechanisms where you can lock in uh, the different shields next to each other. And so this is one of the most important parts of the armor. Please listen to me for a second, and then you can daydream, but listen just for a second, okay? The liar, the devil, the language of Lucifer is lies. And I don't know what the lie that will come in your direction will be, but I do know this. It's the perfect lie. It's the perfect lie, whatever it is to weaken you, whatever it is to take you down. You know, and here you are so loved by God. And the devil says, no, you're not. You have no value. You're not beautiful. You're not favored. I mean, the lies of the devil, and I don't know, he's so creative and he's so cunning and it's just so crazy what the devil does and he shoots his lies in our direction. A lot of times when I'm praying for my family and also when I'm praying for the church, you know what I pray? I pray, Lord, don't let the devil launch his lies in their direction. Don't let him send those missiles anywhere near their mind. And I said, but Lord, if you do, and if you're allowing him, because I remember when Brother Richard was here, maybe some of you guys might remember Richard, he would always say, pray, Lord, bind the enemy, bind his mouth, bind his hands, bind his feet. I like that. Don't let him lie. But if he does, Lord, I pray that you would have this atmosphere around them so that it doesn't enter into their atmosphere. Don't let that lie reach them, Lord. But if it does, if he is allowed to, and if it does go into their atmosphere, Lord, I pray with all my heart that you would give them the grace to lift up that shield of faith where they could quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Because I'm telling you this, if you're down, depressed, discouraged, or defeated, it's only because somewhere along the line, you have believed a lie. And this is why we need this shield of faith. And if we can lock them together and you got faith and you got faith and then we do it together, imagine how strong our church could be. 
You know, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Have you guys remember that verse? The word devour, it means swallowed. And so, have you guys ever seen those programs where the devil, I mean, sorry, where lions go hunting after their prey? Have you guys ever seen that? You know, and whatever, it's the gazelles that are there and the lions that are there, they're crouching. And so, what are they doing? They're looking for that one who maybe has strayed, who's weak, who can't run as fast. Uh, and so what eventually he does, he goes and, he, and you know, they, they uh, usually uh, team up and they attack. Have you guys seen it? Or is it just me? You've seen it? We, we have a video actually right here. We're going to show you guys. And I'm just joking. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, and then they, next thing you know, they eat the meat. See, that's why it's so important for us to have that shield of faith where we quench those fiery darts. And then if you go back to the uh, different pieces of the armor, again, the next piece we have, um, where we talked about the belt of truth. Let's go to the previous one, Max, if that's okay. We'll go to the one before this. The helmet of salvation. Of course, I think we all know how important a helmet would be, but why is it called a helmet of salvation? I really believe it's because... Uh, there's the assurance of salvation. Listen, I know sometimes we're not feeling it, but you are saved because of the fact that you place your faith in Jesus Christ. There's something about that assurance of salvation that protects my mind and thoughts and gives me peace. And so we have the helmet of salvation we're wearing and is protecting us. And then the last thing on that list is the sword of the Spirit. And so then the belt of truth is just me living in truth, but the sword of the Spirit is where I read this Bible, heed this Bible, I learn this Bible, I love this Bible, I live this Bible. Remember when the devil came against Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and he tempted him three times? What did Jesus do? Jesus just quoted Scripture. He quoted Scripture and then he stood on it. And so, like it says, I've always loved this line from the Hercules, uh, one of my favorite cartoons when he would he says a hero's only as good as his sword for us it's the bible and so for us living in the land of lies we need to make sure that we have the truth and so when you look back in ephesians 6 he gives us all these things but then he talks about praying like crazy praying always he says in verse 18 with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful in the end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. And, 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 you know, again, do you have the desire to be all that God wants you to be? Now, I've told you guys many times, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a pastor. You might be the president of the United States of America. It doesn't mean you have to work in a church you actually might work in Hollywood. You actually might work in the government, in the, the school systems. I, I don't know because one of the things that I think messed up the world is that the church came out and they didn't realize that John 17 says you've got to be in the world, just not of the world, right? And so whatever it is that God wants you to be, you know, my, my prayer is that we would have that desire and, and that we would be that 
not defeated by the devil and his demons. And so how do we do that? His strength, his armor, wearing it daily. But let me just tell you something, okay? If you're not praying, the devil is laughing. So this is my encouragement to you. Talk to God. You don't have to say a fancy prayer. In the beginning, it might not even be long. But I would say this, and I I don't know how you guys feel about this, but to me, I honestly, um, you know how sometimes you're reading something and you'll highlight, oh, that's really cool. And you highlight, oh, that's really cool. And you highlight something, right? For me, the highlight of my day is my time in prayer. I love talking to God. I love being with people, don't get me wrong. But I love talking to God. And we have to have that, that heart, you know, where we're praying for others, we're worshiping Him, we're talking to Him. And even right here, Paul says, and pray for me. Pray that I would have the biblical boldness. Pray that I would have the Christian courage to be able to say all the things that God wants me to say. You know, Paul the Apostle was not afraid to ask for prayer for himself. He even prayed in Romans 15. He begged them to pray for him. And so I think when you look at the different aspects of how do we defeat demons, this is how, you guys. And so my prayer is that you would understand God's love for you and that he wants you to win the battles. If you're a Christian, the war is already won, but now the question is, what's going to happen in the individual battles of every day? To be that man of God, to be that woman of God, to make a difference in this world. Paul the Apostle, as he closes the letter right here, he shares with them, this is all motivated by love. And these are, this is why. Notice as we read the final words here, verse 21, but, but that, that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother, and notice the word love there, beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Obviously, they cared about Paul. Man, how's he doing there in that Roman prison? What Tychicus, their beloved brother, would tell them. And then he closes in verse 23, peace to the brethren. And here it is again, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who, there it is again, love our Lord Jesus Christ, in sincerity. Amen. And this whole thing, everything that we do, I pray everything that we are as a church is motivated by God's love for you. God loves us. And here we see the beloved Tychicus, and we see Paul here sharing, you know, the fact that, man, you know, you are loved and 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 this whole thing is just driven what what drives it all he says the sincere love for jesus sincere love for jesus and so 
you know, do you know he loves you? I pray you do. He died for you on a cross. He, every day I wake up in the morning, I thank him that, you know, he, he blessed me with another day. My heart's beating. The sun is shining. You know, the air I'm breathing, all those kind of things. But then my prayer is that we would have this love, sincere love for him as well. And that's how it works, you guys. In this church, in this church, if I did not fail, if I did not point you to Jesus, then I would be failing you. Because there's a cool passage. You know what it says? It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That's what this whole thing really is all about. You know, when we have our struggles, when I have my struggles, I think what ends up happening is just simply that I took my eyes off Jesus and I put myself, my eyes on myself or someone else. And God is saying, no, this beautiful book of Ephesians is all something written by Paul, motivated by love, so that you and I would be victorious, even against so we fight fallen angels, even though we're in fallen bodies and we're in fallen world, and God can help us stand. Amen.